Welcome to the Owl's Nest. I'm Derek Kennedy. Hope you're having a good summer. And we are just days removed from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s final adventure. This episode, I'll be talking with Aaron Roth Thomas, a Dallas Chamber Choir singer who also just happens to be a bit of a retro gamer. So, sit back, relax. As Aaron and I speak dog. So how's your dog, Reggie? How's she doing? She's doing great. She's just she loves having both of us home. Like so I mean I work part time normally in, during the day and then in the evening I have rehearsals and on the on the weekend I have rehearsals too. And so you know, my husband works um, during the day, and he's home in the evening. So, like somebody would, somebody would pretty much always be home with her. But um, she's really loving having us both at home, like all the time now. She's very spoiled, especially having my husband home because he's her favorite. Oh, that's good. That's good. But she's doing good. Just she's upstairs, probably taking a nap right now. <laughs> yeah. Every time that I see her face, your page, mm-hmm. I see her dog, your dog on there. And she's just looking so adorable. She is. She's very, very cute. She's unfortunately kind of mean. Well, not kind of. She's very mean to anyone that's not near my husband. So she's like deceptively very cute. I mean, I think she's just, you know, she was a stray that we adopted and she was like living on her own for so long. I think she just doesn't trust people, you know, and so people come over to the house and she growls and acts acts horrible to them. But she's very sweet to me and my husband. (laughs) Eh, she's just trying to be protective, that's all. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's, you know, she finally kind of is safe, and she wants to make sure that she stays that way. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And then again, but then again, all dogs are like that sometimes. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and we've gone the whole training route. Like, we've hired several trainers to work with her, and one of the, we actually went to like a, like a doggy, a doggy psychiatrist and like they actually have those they're like they're like behavioral therapists is what they're called and we took her to one and they, and she said yeah on a scale of one to ten where one is like a perfectly healthy dog just like a normal dog and ten where like is like a feral dog like a dog that's just never been around people and doesn't want to be around people reggie is like a 9.5 that's what that's what the doctor told us <laughs> oh my god <laughs> She's like, she's 9.5 because she's nice to the two of you. But other than that, she's probably, she probably would be a 10. (laughs) (laughs) So we're like, well, uh, but yeah, she gave us some, she takes some medication to kind of take the edge off of her anxiety and stuff. And that, that has helped a little bit, but she's just, you know, she's never going to be a normal dog. And we've just kind of accepted it. You know, it's like, what is normal anyway? We've all got our own baggage and, you know, so she's a very special girl. Oh yeah, I'm glad you loved her though. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she was the universe put us together because I, I mean, when I found her, um, she was living in a little in a church parking lot by herself. Somebody had dumped her, I guess. But, um, but I was actually this was back when I was still working full time. I was on my lunch break with my coworker Colleen, and uh, we were going to Hobby Lobby just to kind of look around, you know. And we were pulling my car out of the out of the parking lot and drove by this church, and we saw her Reggie just sitting out there in the parking lot by herself. And I was like, "Is that dog by himself?" And 
so we went over there and took some pictures and kind of circulated it around the neighborhood. And I found out from people that had told me in the neighborhood that, that she'd been out there for several months and nobody could catch her. Oh my goodness. I know. Poor baby. And she's little, she's not a big, you know, dog. So I like, think about like, you know, these horrible rainstorms and stuff that are out there. I mean, she was just out there during all that. And, um, so finally we were able to go back up there, uh, the following day and she was still up there and, um, got the Plano animal shelter people to come and we had to help them like wrangle her up because she did not want to get caught and they were able to take her in and they you know sponsored all of her heartworm treatments and everything Mm -hmm. and took care of her and so then we adopted her like formally after that oh well that is wonderful yeah she's pretty much hit the doggy jackpot i mean she's you know lives a better life than most humans so (laughs) So she's she's doing real real good well that's good that's good Yeah, let's talk about singing for a while, okay? Okay. Yeah. You said right now you're with the Dallas Chamber Choir? Yeah, I actually sing in several different groups. So Dallas Chamber Choir is one of them, mm-hmm. um, Orpheus Chamber Singers, and then I also sing in a group called Verdegree Ensemble, which is uh, new music, uh, all modern music, and I'm on the I'm actually on the board of directors for that group as well. Oh, and, nice. Um and sing with a group called Incarnatus, and I sing with Dallas Box Society. So there's a, there, Dallas is actually a great place for classical musicians to work because there's tons of opportunities. Um, but unfortunately, right now with COVID, like every single one of those things that I just mentioned has canceled their season. Um, we may be coming back with you know some streaming concerts where there wouldn't be people in the audience, but um, right now we're not really doing anything. Um, what I'm, was actually keeping me busy right now is uh, several churches, you know, now that church has gotten closed, a lot of churches are kind of scrambling to adopt this new, like, online streaming platform. And mm-hmm. so they're having people come in and, um, and pre-record the music for them. And so I'm actually able to record for several different church services during the week, and that's really supplementing my income from having all the rest of these live uh, these live concerts canceled. So, yeah, it's just kind of, I mean, I would kind of describe myself as a freelancer at this point because I don't really belong to any groups full time. Yeah. It sounds like a smart idea though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You also uh, did some opera work for Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I've done a show. Um, I, I did s- several shows with opera Louisiana. I did a show actually with Diversita opera here in Dallas, not too long ago, but um, yeah, I kind of got a little burnt out in the opera scene because it, there's a lot of travel that's involved with that. And, um, you kind of get to the point, I mean, financially, it's, it's really difficult to get started doing that because you're spending a lot of money traveling to all these places and not really getting paid a whole, whole lot in return. Um, and then, you know, when I got engaged, I kind of realized that I didn't really want to be away from home that much. Um, and so, you know, luckily living in Dallas, you can kind of have the best of both worlds where it's like, you know, I'll be able to sing pretty much every single day, but then I can still come home and see my husband and my dog and sleep in my own bed. And so that's kind of the direction that I've, that I've gone in the last probably, you know, seven to eight years, but I still do a show every now and then. It's just not anything normal that I, regular that I normally do. Yes. Yes. I remember I did. Last year, I did something called Madama Butterfly. I was the chorus member for oh, that. Oh, yeah. With Shreveport Opera? Or? Yes, Shreveport Opera. Okay. Very cool. Yes, the 
mem- one of the members of the opera is actually my voice singer, Janice Aiken. Okay. And she's great, and she had we had a good time and everything. Made some new friends yeah, throughout that entire. It's a fun show. Yes, it is. But you said that you also did a couple of Final Fantasy concerts. Yeah, well, I actually would love to do a Final Fantasy concert, but I haven't had the opportunity yet. But I did one um, with the Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra that was with Dallas Chamber Choir that did, it was music from all different kinds of video games. And, and like, they were all new video games. And so I had actually never played any of these, but it was like, you know, Dragon Age, where I sang the solo from Dragon Age. And there were, you know, I think they did some music from Skyrim and, Elder Scrolls and a bunch of games that like I'm sure that younger people know what they are and I have no idea what they are but it was really really cool and it was out there at the Fort Worth Botanical Gardens and they had it was an outdoor concert and they had like fireworks and it was it was really really cool Um, and I also did a Kingdom Hearts I did two Kingdom Hearts concerts um, which was again I've never played any of those games and I I really have been meaning to play them because I've heard they're really good so maybe I'll like download download the first one as a like an early christmas gift to myself or something but um but yeah i loved those and the audience was like super into those you you looked out and you could see people you know wearing costumes from the show and like people <laughs> were crying and um you know it was it was really cool and and you know those kind of concerts aren't like the most prestigious you know musical things that i've ever done but they're really they're really fun to do because it's it's really cool to bring like you know, classical, like, you know, I'm putting quotes around the word classical music to people that don't like really normally, that wouldn't normally listen to that kind of music, but they just do it because it's related to their the video game that they like. And so that's kind of cool to make, bridge that gap, you know? Yeah. I actually saw a clip for Video Games Live that was headed by Tommy Tellerico. Uh-huh. And they had a clip that had Halo with a full orchestra. Ooh, yeah. And it was Tommy Tallarico in the front leading it through. Mm-hmm. I also yeah, that'd rem- be cool. I also remember there was a clip from G4, and this was an episode of Cinematech called The Music of the Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. At the end of it, they had a Dear Friends concert that features like a full choir and a full orchestra. Ooh. thing of it was... was- yeah, the thing of it was that concert that was there in in California mm-hmm. sold out in an hour. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Well, I mean, the Final Fantasy music is so good. Like, if you're talking about video game music, that is like all of those games. Nobu Uematsu, like he is just an amazing composer, and he's he's so good at creating themes for each character and like weaving them together. It's I mean, that's actually like, that's really, really, I would, I would love to do a concert like that one day. Yeah, me too. Maybe one day. Yes. But you mentioned Dragon Age. I remember the composer who did the, I remember it was Anon Zor who did the Dragon Age Origins. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing something like that. Some of his pieces stood out to me. But in the current um, Dragon Age Inquisition, it was Trevor Morris. And this is the same person who did the music for Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, Ramin Djawadi? Yeah. Because I've actually done a Game of Thrones concert as well, and that was super cool. That would be him also. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah, he writes great music, and he, he, the music that he does for Westworld is also really, really good. If you've ever watched that on HBO, yes, I have. I have seen it's that. Very, very different. Yeah, sometimes he likes to sneak in a little bit of a music that I wouldn't even notice at the time. Yeah, <laughs> or like he'll do pop music, but kind of set it to where it's like kind of sinister and creepy sounding. It's it's pretty cool the way he does that. Oh my goodness. There was one episode where it, it was in Samurai World, mm-hmm. and he slipped in from the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, I remember that. That was during the fight scene. That was awesome. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, that was really really cool. <laughs> or the, what was the song that they did on the episode about the that um, the Indian that was trying to find his wife? He was a member of the. You Ghost know? Nation, and it was a. I'll think of it after we get off. I'm sure I'll think of it, and then I'll hit myself later. But it was it was like a pop song. Me, yeah, I'll think about it. I'll probably do the same thing when I get off here, yeah. also. <laughs> but it was really, really. Good. It was very effective the way they used it. So yeah, cool. yeah. While we're on the subject of all things gaming, bit of a retro gamer yourself, isn't it? Aren't I you? I am. Yeah. Yeah. We were. Me and my little sister Kayla were like super into video games in like the you know early to mid '90s, and uh, yeah, I know me and you have talked about you know Final Fantasy VI, which is my all-time favorite game ever, um, and then Chrono Trigger are both games that we would play just like nonstop on the Super Nintendo. Both of those, I think Final Fantasy, um, the first time I played it, the it was the guy I was dating in junior high he lent me the cartridge and was like, hey, play this game. It's really cool. Um, and me and my sister had never played an RPG before. And we're like, what, what is this? Like, you don't even fight. You're just like pushing buttons, you know? And, and then, you know, apparently, you know, immediately got hooked on it and, and just like wrapped up in the storyline of like of this awesome game. And, and now it's one of the games that like, I mean, I've played that game so many times I have lost count. Like I, I can probably play it from memory and not even have to really think about it. But um but yeah, it's one of the best games ever. Just the characters and the storyline and just, you know, the music obviously is really great, um, but it's it's pretty much just a perfect game. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Chrono Trigger, what was your toughest level? Oh. Or what was your toughest well, boss? Well, Chrono Trigger, did you ever like, play I have only beaten Chrono Trigger once, and that was as an adult. I downloaded it onto, the, onto my PlayStation and played it because Chrono Trigger was one that me and my sister would rent from Blockbuster. People that are like, you know, oh. old like me remember whenever like Blockbuster was a thing and you had to like rent. The I remember Blockbuster. Yes. <laughs> and you couldn't just save the game, you know, like, so we had to, we'd, we'd rent it. And like, you know, there's no way you're going to beat Chrono Trigger in three days. Like, there's no way. And so we'd, we'd, <laughs> we'd rent it and like try to, you know, beat the game. And then we'd have to give, you know, our three-day rental would run out. We had to take the take it back to Blockbuster and like hope that, you know, by the time that like my, our mom would let us rent it again, that no one had also rented that game and saved over our game that was on the cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> and so we never beat it. We always just played the first like the first like part of it and then never beat it. So um but yeah that last the last battle with uh is it Lavos that the last yeah the final, that last Lavos battle was so hard and so I've only beaten it once and and from what I understand there's a lot of different endings and I've only gotten that one main ending. So 
that's, that's another quarantine project that I should really work on is like getting all the, all the alternate endings of Chrono Trigger. That's an, that's an important thing to spend time on. Yes. Um, I've played Dragon Age Inquisition for so long. So when I got that for the Xbox One mm-hmm. S, it was like, I know what I can do. I know which route to go and everything. But there's always so many decision points in that game. Mm-hmm. Like if I can either join the mages or join the Templars. Should I conscript them or should I be allies with mm-hmm. them? And there's so many decisions down and down the line and everything. And that's what makes it so interesting about these RPG types of mm-hmm. games. It makes the storyline expanded more. oh yeah and it really increases like the replayability of the game where it's like you you finish the game and now you want to go back and do it again because you want to see well what if i had made this choice and you know it's it's yeah that's what i've been doing for years with final fantasy 6 i think i've gotten pretty much every single secret in that game but i need to go back and do it with chrono trigger um but yeah no i totally agree and i actually never played dragon age i would love to play it sometime yeah if you do you won't be disappointed okay Good to know. Yeah, I mean, the first Dragon Age is basically just standard RPG. You have to choose a different route every now and Mm -hmm. then. Dragon Age 2, it's more action-oriented. Okay. And you can control in the whole team. Not just yourself, each member that you have on Mm -hmm. there. The same thing goes for Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, Would you, which one would you recommend that I start on? Do I need to start on the first one? Yeah, start on the first one. And this is the most interesting thing... Okay. While you're writing it down, let me tell you Uh this. The most interesting thing about an EA RPG, or technically Bioware Mm -hmm. RPG, is that they have a save transfer file. Now, what that means is whatever decisions that you made in one game, they transfer to the next game. Oh, that's very interesting. And whatever decisions you made from both those games and the next Mm -hmm. one, We'll transfer to the next. Oh, wow. That's that's really interesting. So you can, like, carry out all of your... I mean, that, like, increases the replayability of all of them. I mean, you have to go all the way back to the very first one. That's pretty cool. Yeah, precisely. It was something that Jamie Kennedy's character mentioned in Scream 3, talking about sequels. Mm-hmm. And the third rule was, whatever actions that you made will come back to haunt yeah. you. <laughs> true and the same thing goes with the bioware rpgs not just the dragon age series but also for mass effect which is like a mixture of the both the first person shooter and the rpg elements it was very i played that more times just as much as Dragon Age. Hmm, I'm writing that one down too. Can, we don't have an okay. Xbox. Can you play either one of those on, on PlayStation, PS4, PS3? To be honest, I'm not so sure, but you can play it on the PlayStation. Okay. But if you get Mass Effect 3, you, there's a interactive comic and you can play through and you can make the decision points that will make the decisions go. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you can... You can actually leave one person to die in one mission. Mm-hmm. Or do you want to spare this one last person of its species? There are plenty of those in that series. Interesting. And 
and what makes those decisions last in the second one that will be effective from the first. Yeah. And what decisions you made on the second game will be affected in the third. Wow. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'll have to check those games out. Actually, yeah. I just I just finished playing Final Fantasy IX, which is a, a, also retro, but not quite as retro. Um, and that, I don't know if you've ever played that one before, but that's a really good Final Fantasy. Yeah. The first Final Fantasy that I've actually played was Final Fantasy X. Oh, you know, I haven't played that one yet. I might have to, have to try that one, too. I tried playing Seven, and I didn't really love it that much. Um, Even though it's the most popular of the Final Fantasy is. games. And, and, you know, I think a lot of it is, like, the the version that I played was, the, I downloaded it onto my PS3, um, or PS4. And the version that I played, from what I've read, was the original, um, like, the, just the original version of it. And the, the translation of some of the text was not very understandable. Like, I couldn't really get what they were saying. And, and I didn't really connect with the characters emotionally because I think there was kind of a language barrier of what they were saying and stuff. But from what I've read, this, this uh, remake of it that's just coming, I don't know if it's come out yet or if it's about to come out, but it has a much better... It's came out. It, it's come out. So I need to go ahead and mm-hmm. do that and download that and, and get it because they were saying that the translation is much better and it kind of helps you to understand what's really happening and what are, you know, kind of helps you to connect with the characters a little bit more because that's a big thing for me is to, you know, that's, that's why FF6 was so, was so great because the characters are so endearing and you really like care about what they're doing and you, you're invested in them, you know? Yeah. I have a Twitch account. Oh, cool. And I've seen so many playthroughs from other uh, users, and they say they absolutely love the remake of uh, FF7. Okay. Yeah, I need to I need to play that through. Yeah, I got to the point where I was almost finished with it. I had al- I mean I was almost done with the game, and then something happened to my file where it got glitched. Like a I, oh. yeah, like it was terrible. I was so upset. But there was this big boss, and he apparently was supposed to spawn. And he never spawned. Like, the, the music was playing, like, something scary was happening, but, like, nothing was happening. We were just, like, standing there. And um, and my file got glitched, and I would, have, I would have had to start the whole thing over again. And I was like, I just don't have the strength to do it at this point. I just can't, you know? So I need to go, I need to download the new one and then play the whole thing again. My goodness. You know what I was, um, when I was watching Conan O'Brien uh-huh. a few years back, they have this section called Clueless Gamer. <laughs> oh, yeah. They actually had one on the Final Fantasy games. Oh, cool. It was Final Fantasy 16, and it was Aaron who was there. But also joining him was Elijah Wood. Okay. And they were talking throughout the entire time, playing through and everything like that. Then they decided to go to this boss battle, and he and Aaron mentioned to him it took three real-time days just to beat a boss. Wow. Just because the boss had so it's, many hit points, I guess. I think so. To wear it down. Wow. Just watch it on YouTube. It's hilarious, <laughs> though. Yeah, I'll have to watch that. That's pretty funny. But yeah, yeah after you get a chance to play it, it was it was really good. I mean, they it kind of for me was the characters were a little bit more endearing, and I was more invested in their story. And then you know, it fixed a lot of things that like I didn't necessarily love about Final Fantasy VI in terms of like. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the graphics were much better, but like they had the thing where some of the characters can do like a combine, like you know, in Chrono Trigger when the characters can combine their their attacks and make a new attack. 
That's true. Yeah, they yes, have they have that in FF9, which I really like. And I also feel like in some of the early RPGs, it's it's possible to make your character so powerful that by the end of the game, you're just like it's just a joke. I mean, there's no challenge at all because like every character knows Ultima, and you're all just like like just burning up these these uh bosses. But then FF9 fixed that to where. You know, only certain characters have certain skills that they can use and certain spells. And, and the FF7, FF8 probably did the same thing. But FF9, I thought, did, did it really well with the way they, they built it. Yeah, you're talking about combination when it comes to uh, on Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing like that for my Dragon Age games. Okay. I have a mage. Well, as I play as a mage, I can freeze one person and a warrior can come and shield bash and shatter the enemy. Oh, yes, it's like a little combo. Right. Because mages... So I know- now, this is where I'm showing my... I don't really know a whole lot about newer games, but mages are the ones that normally heal, right? Right. Okay, so that's a way for a mage to like actually do damage, per se. Yeah, that is true. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about Reggie, oh, your dog. She's the best dog ever. I love her. Um... <laughs> We found her, like I had said before, we found her in a church parking lot. Um, I was on my lunch break and driving with my friend back to the office, and we saw her in the parking lot by herself, and I was like, is that dog by himself? And I assumed that she was a boy dog because she was a terrier and her hair was all, all grown out. I don't know why in my mind I just thought, oh, it's a boy, you know. And so, of course, in my mind I named her, I named her Reggie. Um, but yeah, I had talked to some neighbors and, and, um, people that were in the area to see if this, if this was their dog. And they're like, oh, that little dog's been out there for three months at least. And nobody can catch her, you know? And so, uh, we ended up going back up there the next day and she was still there in the parking lot. And, um, cause we couldn't, we, I had called Plano Animal Control and they couldn't, they went out there, but they couldn't catch her. She run away from them. And so I went up there and and my husband and I ended up like kind of helping Plano Animal Control corral her and catch her. And um, she was not a happy camper. She was very upset to be caught and growling and making a big mess. But um, (laughs) but, yeah, she was not happy at all. But uh, they got her and they got her to the shelter and they they took care of her heart. They sponsored her heartworm treatment and, you know, got her all patched up. And so... You know, we weren't planning on adopting because, like I said, I'm usually in the evenings. I'm gone with rehearsal and the weekends and stuff. But, you know, nobody was was I was kind of following her saga on the Plano Animal Shelter website because at this point I'm emotionally involved in the whole thing, you know. And so I was, you know, looking and saying, like, you know, she's heartworm positive. They say she can't be in a home with any small kids or other animals because she has a lot of, you know, anxiety and she snaps and stuff at people she hasn't known. And so I was like, no one's going to adopt this little dog. You know, she's just, and so she was there for about a month. And finally me and my husband were like, we need to just take her and, and get her. And I'm so happy that we got her because she's wonderful. She's the best doggy in the world. <laughs> she's so sweet and fluffy and cute. And she's just like, you know, hit the doggy jackpot. I mean, she just is living her best life right now. So especially with quarantine, she is loving having us home. So she's, 2020 has really been her year, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it has. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, it has. But she has quite a following on on social media. So she takes 
she's a very cute dog and takes good pictures. So a lot of people are very, I mean, literally I go to rehearsal or I go places, I go to church. People are like, oh my gosh, how's Reggie? Like they're always asking about Reggie, even though they've never actually met her. They've just seen her picture on Facebook. So it's kind of funny. She's got a lot of fans. Guilty as charged. I'm one of her fans. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She's easy to love, man. She's very easy to love. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. (laughs) Well, this has been a wonderful time that I've talked with you. And I want to thank yeah, you for thank doing you for this. Having with me. This was so much fun. And let's talk again in the future, okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Say hi to Reggie for me, will you? <laughs> I will. <laughs> Thanks to Aaron for this wonderful interview. I have absolutely no doubt that I would be talking to her again in the near future. In a moment, some YouTubers to watch, recommended apps, and some podcasts I want you to listen to. Before I go, a few items I'd like to share with you. First off, DC Gomez, who was my guest for my first show has her first devotional out right now called Dare to Believe. She also has her own podcast called Inside the Minds of Authors, as well as her own Facebook Live segment called Chit Chat with DC. Also, Taylor Wilde, a former TNA knockout, has her own podcast called Wild On every Wednesday throughout the month. So take a listen to that. And my recommended app would be the TuneIn Radio app where you can get radio stations not just locally but also globally. So this is Derek Kennedy saying stay safe and stay entertained. Thank you.